Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Good morning. Today we start a brand new sermon series titled, Preparing for Pentecost. I want to open with the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. It's a powerful story of Jesus' compassion, his insight, and his ability to see the true need of the individual and to touch a person where they really need it most. I believe that today Jesus is going to unveil our true need not what we always present to him. For you see, Jesus, whose name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, identifies this Samaritan woman's true situation. She had been drinking from the wrong water, from the wrong fountain. She's been drinking from a source that cannot satisfy. John's gospel chapter 4 tells us the story. As you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4, I want you to notice what Jesus says in verse 13. If you only knew the gift God has for you, And who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Now stop there just for a moment. Notice what it says in verse 10. If you only knew the gift God has for you. Church, I believe that God desires to bless you more than you ever realize. I believe God desires to take you and I further than we have ever dreamed. I believe God desires to do more in you and for you than you can ever imagine in your life. Matter of fact, we are reminded the book of Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, that wonderful promise. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. See, God does have a plan. They are plans for good and not for disaster. They are plans to give you a future and a hope. God has a wonderful gift for you. God is for you and not against you. God is on your side. He has come to bless you and not harm you. Jesus, speaking to this Samaritan woman, reminds us that the Father has something exciting The Father has something generous, something great for each of us. Jesus said, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me. Notice that phrase, 
you would ask me. For you see, this gift that God has, this blessing that God has for you is just as close or far as what away as asking. Notice verse 11 of chapter 4 of John. The woman replies, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied in verse 13, Anyone who drinks from this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never thirst again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Verse 13 is what I want to bring your attention to. Jesus says, if anyone drinks this water... They will soon become thirsty again. For you see, there is a fountain, there is a water that can never satisfy the need of your life. There is that which only leaves you chasing for more. There is something in man that longs for completeness. There is something in man which leaves him searching for meaning. There is something in man which leaves him searching for purpose. And the stubbornness of man often leads him seeking to feel this need for meaning and purpose in other things. The willfulness of man often leads him to seeking to feel the innate need for longing and acceptance, the innate need for satisfaction and completeness. It often leads man to seek fulfillment in, as the old country song said, searching for love in all the wrong places. Now I want you to turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 2. Here in chapter 2 of Jeremiah, I want to bring your attention to verse 13. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Today I've titled my thoughts, Cracked Cisterns. For you see, the prophet Jeremiah was given a message to deliver to the people of Israel during a dark period in the history of the nation. The nation of Israel was in a downward spiral, both spiritually and politically. The nation of Israel had lost their moral and spiritual compass. And God raised up Jeremiah to declare the word of the Lord. 
He raised up Jeremiah to say, thus saith the Lord. And church, I believe that we need a thus saith the Lord moment. We, our nation, needs a prophetic word. Jeremiah's message was one of repentance. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. So today I want to get into this word, break it down, and then I'll bring you back to John chapter 4. Our first point, notice this. This word of Jeremiah is addressed to my people. And the opening verses of the book of Jeremiah are very, very personal. The Lord is bringing a complaint against his people. The Lord is making his case, declaring what has happened in the relationship. And the Lord uses the phrase, my people. This denotes that it's personal. This is intimate. And the identity of the people carrying out the offense makes the offense even that much worse. For you see, that phrase, my people, speaks of covenant people. The Lord is not talking about the peoples of the world. He's not talking about the heathen nations. He's speaking not about foreign people. He is speaking of his own people, his covenant people. A matter of fact, to understand the covenant people of God, you have to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 7. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, it says, For you are a holy people. You belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations. For you were the smallest of all the nations. Rather, verse 8, it was simply that the Lord loves you and he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Verse 9, understand therefore that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. Notice that phrase, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. Israel was God's covenant people. They belonged to him. And they had committed an evil. Now let's take a moment and bring a parallel. Let's talk about the church. Fast forward to the New Testament, to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. 
You are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Now, with this thought in mind, as belonging to God, the Lord has a right to expect certain things from us. And just as the Lord expected Israel to seek him and to abide in covenant with him, so the Lord has a right to expect us to seek him, to be satisfied in him, to be fulfilled in him, and to be faithful to our covenant relationship. Looking back at Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13 you'll notice there were two evil things the people of God had done. Verse 13 again says, For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. The first wrong is they have abandoned me. If you look there at chapter 2 and you back up to verse 5, you will see the complaint. It says they have walked after worthless idols. Verse 5 says, What did your ancestors find wrong with me that led them to stray so far from me? They worship worthless idols only to become worthless themselves. Now, notice the emptiness of the pursuit. They worshiped worthless idols or gods. And that word worthless comes from the Hebrew word meaning that which is vain, empty, nothingness. This is the famous word the book of Ecclesiastes mentions over and over. Vanity, meaningless, empty. The result of seeking after something that is empty. The result of seeking after something that is vanity and meaningless is they worshiped worthless idols only to become worthless themselves. Only to become what? Notice that word worthless, that is empty, filled with nothingness. To go after worthless idols results in personal emptiness. One theologian writes this, one becomes like that which one pursues. One becomes like that which one pursues glad tidings i want to challenge us during this season may we pursue the one the christ the son of the living god one becomes like that which one pursues in the small book of hosea Hosea chapter 9, verse 10, it says, O Israel, 
When I first found you, it was like finding fresh grapes in the desert. When I saw your ancestors, it was like seeing the first ripe figs of the season. But then they deserted me for Baal Peor, giving themselves to that shameful idol. Soon they became vile, as vile as the God they worshipped. In other words, they became like what they sought after. They were seeking something that was empty, that was vain. And something that is vanity. In the process, they find themselves empty and void. And church, hear me. If we seek after the world, that which is empty, we will find ourselves empty, devoid of substance, vanity of all vanities. Notice here in Jeremiah 2 verse 13, notice the second evil they had committed. It says they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns. Cisterns for holding water during the dry, hot summers were dug into the porous limestone and lined with plaster. And over time, the plaster would crack and the cisterns would begin to leak. At best, these cisterns were poor. They could only hold a limited amount of water. It was often contaminated, muddy, and and earthy water at best. They developed cracks in them and would constantly be unable to hold sufficient, clean, uh, life-giving water. So let's read Jeremiah 2, verse 13 again. My people have done two evil things. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water, And they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. See, the results of forsaking God, the fountain of living water, that is the source of clean, life-giving, healthy water. Notice the picture of a fountain. The picture is this of a never-ending supply, a continual, renewable resource. That's who God is. He is a never-ending supply, a life-giving source. He's the opposite of empty. He's the opposite of nothingness and vanity. But the results are forsaking the fountain of living water. One is left to whom? That is, dig their own cistern, broken cistern. The accusations are grave, so grave that the heavens as witness shudder at the evidence. Look back there at Jeremiah chapter 2. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says the heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. The poetic language personifies the heavens and their response to the actions of the covenant people of God are astounding. 
The heavens are in pure horror, shock, and disbelief that God's covenant people had forsaken the fountain of living water. When you look at it objectively, it makes no sense at all. Why would you settle for a a, a muddy cistern that, that cracks and leaks when you have the fountain, an artesian well, with a never ending supply? Jeremiah speaks of the heavens are an utter dismay, horrified at the thought that God's people would do such a horrible transaction, which causes us to move to our final point of discussion. How can this apply to our day? What is the message God has for us today? How does this passage parallel today's society, today's church, and does it? How does this passage parallel your life today? Let's talk for a moment about a prophetic word. Let me challenge you. Quit digging your own cistern when you have the fountain of living water that can satisfy you. The book of Isaiah, chapter 55. Chapter 55 opens up with a powerful question Is anyone thirsty? And then this statement follows, come and drink. Even if you have no money, come, take your choice wine and milk. It's all free. And then the rhetorical question is asked, why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me. And you will eat what is good, and you will enjoy the finest food. Verse 3 says, come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. Notice that. Listen, and you will find what? You will find life. And then go down to verse 6. Verse 6 says, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Stop digging your own cistern. It's a cracked cistern. You have access to the fountain of life. Let me give you another prophetic word. Return to the fountain of living water. One commentary posed an important question. Would anyone today be so foolish as to trade an artesian well 
for a broken cistern? Would they? Unfortunately, many do. Some of today's broken cisterns are the pursuit of wealth, power, fame, or even pleasure. Ask yourself this personal question. What are the broken cisterns you are digging? Now let's go back to our passage in John chapter 4. The Samaritan woman at the well. This story teaches us something. And the truth that it teaches us is only Jesus can satisfy. Go back to verse 13. Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And the woman replies, please, sir, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again, and I will not have to come here to get water. Jesus told her, go. Go and get your husband. Verse 17, she replied, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. You do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands. And you are not even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth, Jesus said. Think of this just for a moment. What were the broken cisterns of this woman's life? Obviously, unhealthy relationships was one. Sin. The one she was living with at that moment was not even her husband. Another, another broken cistern she had been digging was the pursuit of pleasure. What about, what about bad choices? All of us can identify with that, for each of us have made some bad choices. But notice what Jesus does. He offered her living water. As we prepare over the next couple of weeks for Pentecost, I think it's important that we're careful to notice what type of water we're drinking. Are we drinking water that will not satisfy us? Digging broken cisterns that can hold nothing but muddy, dirty water? Why not drink from the fountain of living water? What I love about John chapter 4 is Jesus took this woman 
to her true need. Not in a condemning way, but in a convicting way. Not in a way that would heap condemnation upon her, but in a way that would lead her to change, to make better decisions. A way that would lead her to seeking and drinking from the fountains of living water. For you see, Jesus has not come to condemn you, but he's come to lead you to those springs, to the fountain of life. He's come today to really, truly satisfy the needs of your life. Come, like the prophet Isaiah wrote, come, drink. Why do you spend your money on things that cannot satisfy you? Come, and you will have your fill. You will be satisfied. It reminds me of the words of Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Here in the story before us, with the Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus was offering her life more abundantly. For you see, only Jesus can fix what is broken with humanity. Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 says this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Church, we need God not only to forgive our sins, but to restore our land. Broken cisterns lead to broken lives. Broken cisterns lead to the pursuit of things that have no ability to satisfy, and it will only leave us empty. I believe God is calling the church back to the fountain of living water. Let us prepare ourselves for the coming of Pentecost. As a church, let us pursue God and God alone. As a church, let us pursue the fountain of living water, the artesian well of Jesus Christ. Church, we need... We want, we desire a fresh anointing of Pentecost, a fresh anointing and outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. 
The church in the past has pursued many things other than the presence of God. But now is the time for us to pursue the presence, the face of God. Let us forsake and leave the broken cisterns and let us return to the fountain of living water because He can satisfy. I believe God has us in a place where all we can do is really pursue his presence. And in one sense, what a great place to be. In another sense, let us not allow this opportunity to pass both personally and corporately. As a body of believers, let us plead for our nation and our churches to return to the fountain of living water. Glad tidings. As your pastor, I'm calling us as a church as a church that loves her community, a church that loves her nation, a church that loves others, may we, may we call upon the one who can save the fountain of life. And may we corporately turn to God and say, Lord, shower us with your blessings. As a church corporately, and we say, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for forsaking you in many ways. And forgive us for trying to dig our own cisterns. Lord, you're the only one who can satisfy. You're the only one who can bring us through this season. You're the only one who can restore our families. You're the only one who can give us life more abundantly. You're the only one who can save our children. You're the only one who can save our nation. And Lord, we turn to you. And we ask you, God, be merciful to us and heal our land. Allow me to give you a personal challenge. If there have been some areas in your life where you have forsaken the fountain of living water, turn back to God. Let me challenge you. Quit building broken cisterns that can hold no water. Drink from the fountain of living water. If you want to experience the one, Jesus Christ, who can change your life, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. Right now, there where you are, say this prayer. Jesus, Jesus. 
I surrender to you. I surrender to you. I accept you as my Lord. I accept you as my Lord. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you're the Son of God. And I confess my sins to you. I confess my sins to you. I turn to the fountain of living water. I turn to the fountain of living water. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For forgiving me. For forgiving me. Pour your spirit out upon me. Refresh me, O oh God. Refresh me, O oh God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You prayed that prayer. We believe that you became born again. Welcome to the family of God. Can we spend a moment and let's worship God?